Hello, 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 good day, and welcome to another episode of After School History. I am, as always, your genial host, Anthony J. Ashitino. And the first thing I want to do is apologize to my beloved listeners who right now span, I think it's 13 countries we're up to, over 20 states in the United States. Um, And I want to apologize because I know that you guys that listen to me every week were wondering last week, what happened? Where's the episode? For that, I do have to say my most sincere apologies. Unfortunately, for the first time this winter, and knock wood, it'll be the last time, I actually did uh, go under the weather. Um, I was sick. I had a combo of a couple of different things, sinuses, regular cold, no flu, no coronavirus, none of that. Uh, But the real problem was, because normally, even if I were sick, I would be putting an episode together. The real problem was, I sounded like Henry Kissinger. Now, for those of you who are not old enough to know about Henry Kissinger, uh, my voice was an absolute shambles. And I am a very firm believer, as many of my previous students will have told you, um, I do believe in, and pardon my French, no half-assing. Okay, I don't tolerate it, all right? In my school, I don't tolerate it in my personal life. If you're going to do something, you do something the right way. Otherwise, just don't do it. Had I put together an episode last week, it would have been absolutely shambolic. My voice was horrible. And and believe me, as much as I wanted to, because I really do, I really enjoy doing these episodes. I enjoy talking about the things I talk about. I love the fact that so many people listen so I, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't bring myself to do it. Um, I, was, I was coughing every 20 seconds, 30 seconds. I wouldn't have been able to get through a minute without you hearing me cough or clear my throat. And, and I didn't want to put you through that. So I do apologize for that. I'm going to try and make it up this week. We've so much to talk about. I don't know that I'm going to fit it all in within a half an hour, but we're going to give it our best. So let's dive right into things right now. Um, first of all, let's talk about the, the great... Uh, the bogeyman, the elephant in the room, the gorilla in the room, whatever you want to call it. Let's talk about the coronavirus. Um, currently in the United States, the coronavirus is expanding rather quickly. And that's because um, unlike many other viruses, unlike any many other flus, um, the coronavirus has, as of right now, um, people who can um, contract it remain what we call asymptomatic. They don't show signs of it for up to two weeks. Now, for a fun experiment, think of all the people you've come into contact with in the last two weeks. Think about how many of them. And then think about where you've gone in the last two weeks, how many places you've gone, how many door handles you've touched, how many you know uh, different stair railings that you've held on to as you walked up and down somewhere, how many buttons in an elevator you've possibly pushed. This is all why the coronavirus is expanding exponentially and why, um, not just in the United States, but everywhere else, it's going to continue to get worse. Now, I, along with, I'm hoping, the overwhelming majority of humanity, um, am, am very hopeful that it is not going to result in deaths anywhere close to um, what a pandemic of its sort should uh, entail. I mean, certainly nothing like the 1919-20, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20 pandemic um, known as the Spanish flu, 
which had nothing to do with Spain at all. But of course, if you listen to me in the past, I've talked about how, um, you know, it was called the Spanish flu because Spain was one of the only governments in the world that did not have wartime censorship and therefore they reported it as the facts lay. And so people called it the Spanish flu. Um, the reality is that we're hope, even though the, this coronavirus does tend to have um, an above flu-like uh, mortality rate, hopefully with the knowledge we have now and with people knowing what's going on, we can stymie that. We, we can get people the treatment they need as soon as they need it. The main impediment to that is, unfortunately, in the United States, the current administration, which is determined that this is just a minor, minor thing that's been controlled. Um, just this week, within the past week, um, the administration would not allow Americans uh, who had potentially contracted the virus off of a cruise ship. And the reason was that if they got off the cruise ship, the numbers would go up and that would look bad. By God, this is not a numbers game we're playing here, okay? This is about people living or dying. It doesn't matter. You, you don't look bad because a lot of people get it. You look bad when you try and stop people from getting access to health care because of it. You look bad when you constantly lie because what's needed right now almost more than anything else is for people to be able to trust the government, trust that the government is being honest with them about the rates of infection, about mortalities. I mean, people know it's going to happen. And if you don't, if you're going to pretend that this is some kind of a hoax, well, I'm sorry, but frankly, you are an idiot, okay? And and these are the type of people that, that end up causing major outbreaks because they refuse to accept the reality. The reality is that it is um, a major issue. Yes, the death toll has not gotten, you know, as high as many other... Uh, pandemics, not even as you will be reminded of left and right as the flu. But that doesn't mean it won't get to that rate. I mean, if we're talking about percentages, if you want to talk about a numbers game, talk about the fact that the more people, even if something was at a 2% mortality rate, the more people that get it, the more people are going to die. And so what we really need to do is we really need to focus on quickly identifying who has it. It doesn't matter how many people get it from the sense of it, it, it's going to make you look bad. No, it matters that if we can quickly identify who's got it, we can give them treatment. We can put them into a limited quarantine, even though I know you've heard me argue before, quarantines don't work. Overall, they don't. Let's look at Northern Italy. No offense to my Italian uh, listeners. Um, I love you all. Uh, but, you know, the first thing I read about was that the minute they said they're going to put Northern Italy under quarantine, you know, so that people with exposure to the virus could not go and expose other people, I think half of the population of Northern Italy, I'm exaggerating, but left, they all went out. Why? Because nobody wants to be in a quarantine. Nobody wants to be told, okay, listen, you have to take one for the team here and stay in place. That's ridiculous, but it is for the best. And with all these people leaving and going other places, we won't know. I mean, in, New, in, in, in the New York, New Jersey area, uh, the greater New Jersey area, as I like to call it, there was an Uber driver who's come down with it. How many people did he take and, and to where? No, I'm not blaming him. He didn't know he had the virus at the time, as so many people don't. I'm not trying to put the blame on their doorstep, okay? Um, you know, but the bottom line is, how many people did he take to an airport? 
train station, how many of these people were in the airport, touched things, grabbed stuff, handed money over, rubbed their eyes, you know, touched their mouths. I mean, this is just, you know, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. But we can still take steps to try and minimize the effects of it. Not who gets it. We're, we're trying on that. But the last thing we need is people lying about it and people trying to pretend it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. And it needs to be treated as a big deal. And people need to be told the truth. That is the simple fact, of the, the matter of fact. People need to know the truth. So um, <clears throat> I was talking with one of my students who mentioned that he had bottled water up to uh, as, as high as a man, um, hopefully a little higher than, than me as a man, but still in all, as tall as a man, and I said, that's fantastic. I think one of the great things that this allows us to do right now is talk about preparation. Most people are not prepared for any kind of an extended crisis situation. When Hurricane Sandy hit, that's what you had. You had people who were not really prepared. Um, <clears throat> I was out of power for just about a week, um, you know, and I think that what needs to happen is people need to start getting things together and planning for, well, what happens if if the stores do run out of stuff? Do I have enough to make it? Now, I know we're not going to have, you know, water's not going to be cut off, but in, in the, the shot that it was, are you prepared? Okay. And, and even furthermore, as I said, it's not just about having it because you can have a lot of stuff. I mean, go look through your medicine cabinets and see how much is actually expired medicine. Um, it does no good if you have a bunch of food, canned foods that have expired a year ago. <clears throat> what people should be doing is not only creating a week to two weeks worth of supplies, but also regularly checking them to make sure that they're not expired. As they get close, like if you have canned food and the expiration date is, let's say, three months from now, here's what you do. Eat the food, okay? And then, after you eat the food, replace it. Replace it with new food, okay? That's what you should be doing. And therefore, you're constantly recycling what you have and making sure that you've got enough so that you don't have to worry about it. So that's for um, that's for the coronavirus, and and I do encourage everyone to take steps to make sure that they've got everything in line. And again, uh, the most simple thing is making sure that you constantly wash your hands more than anything else. Cleanliness is next to godliness, so make sure that you've got that. Now, <clears throat> moving along a little bit, I wanted to talk um, because my goodness, what a difference a week makes. The Democratic primaries. Um, what? I, listen, I I said about um, in my two weeks ago thing that it would be a case of Bernie Sanders, you know, the future of the party. Um, right now, that has been completely turned on its head, and I'll tell you why it's been turned on its head. It's been turned on its head because um, the the powers that be. And I know, before you start going, oh, conspiracy theory, here's the reality, okay? <clears throat> a lot of people in the United States do not want a significant change, a significant what we call a paradigm shift. They don't want the way that things are done to change. And because of that, 
They want someone who's really not going to change anything. And that's Joe Biden. He's really not going to change anything. Um, and a lot of people are very fine with that. Healthcare companies are fine with that. Insurance companies. Wall Street is fine with that. They don't want a Bernie Sanders. They certainly do not want someone who's talking about upending the apple cart. And you know what? They're most likely going to get their wish. Okay? Um, now, I will say this again, and maybe this is a prediction that will come not to pass. I do not believe Joe Biden will beat Donald Trump. And the reason I don't believe that is a, a couple of things. Number one, even though the economy is kind of starting to enter a little bit of a, of a tailspin, um, in large part because nobody believes what this government is saying about the coronavirus, <clears throat> the markets are very, very uh, cautious. They don't like uncertainty which is why a lot of them were very big on Biden coming in, because he's a certainty. They know exactly what he's going to do. They know exactly what he's going to say. He's, he's harmless to them. Um, but at the same time, I do think the economy is going to continue. Uh, it, probably it will not completely implode by November. And as I've said before, <clears throat> the, um, the economy is the single greatest factor in determining whether or not somebody gets reelected, the incumbent. Um, but I just, I don't see Biden as terribly, really, and I know I'll get hammered on this by some people. He's not inspiring people to come out and vote, okay? He's not. Um, he might, maybe things will change. But I really, I, I don't see him picking up the necessary votes. Maybe he will. I don't see it. I'd love to be proved wrong, and just because I like being proved wrong, because that's how you learn things, okay? When you're right all the time, what does that say? It says that you're obviously taking the easy outs because you're, you're picking no, you know, the, the bets that are, <clears throat> that are easy to make. But um, we'll have to see. Right now, it's looking like Biden is going to be the nominee. Who he picks for uh, a vice president will be very interesting. I have heard, through the grapevine, Kamala Harris. I've heard Pete Buttigieg. I think Harris would probably be the best for him. He needs to balance the ticket. We always talk about this. I talk about it at school all the time. You need to balance the ticket. Meaning, if you're more conservative, you need someone who's more liberal. If you're from the North, you need someone from the South. Um, with Trump... Trump was seen by many as being, you know, I mean, he had divorced a few times, numerous affairs, not a religious figure. So who did he pick? He picked Mike Pence, the governor of Indiana, who was a well-known conservative, um, you know, dedicated, uh, fundamentalist Christian, and that balanced the ticket for him. So with Biden, he's older. He needs someone young. You cannot pick another old person because nobody's going to go for that. They're just going to see it as two old fuddy-duddies. They want a younger person. And to pick a woman of color, That I think that that really makes a lot of sense for him um, to do. I mean, Buttigieg, another option. He's younger. Um, you know, he definitely has the ability to rally people. Um, you know, I think that that's another thing 
to take into consideration. I know some people have talked about Cory Booker. I, I don't I don't think Booker is the answer. And I like Cory Booker a lot. Um, listen, Senator Booker, if you're listening to this, please, I love you. I think you're a great guy. But I don't know that he wants... I, I don't know that picking a Northerner right now, another Northerner, would be the best for him. He needs to diversify, even though Senator Booker is African-American, and that would definitely be, you know, something that could help the ticket. Um, Biden's not really running into issues in the African-American community. In fact, he's doing quite well in the African-American community. Um, What he needs to do is he needs people to see someone, and that's why I said, you know, Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, I think she's, she checks off a lot. Um, And she's, you know, she's got a lot of following. Um, She's a no-nonsense woman. You know, she's younger. And I think a lot of people are looking at Biden as a one-term president. Now, who knows what will happen when he gets, if he gets elected. But I think that a lot of people would expect he's going to be one term and then he's going to turn it over. And so they want someone who's basically going to be spending four years training to be president. Again, just my take. Don't know if it's really going to happen. But if I were advising, um, you know, former Vice President Biden's campaign, um, I would definitely look at one of them. Uh, Stacey Adams from Georgia, um, just again, a female, younger, um, got a lot of interest when she ran uh, in Georgia for the governorship. Um, You know, I definitely think she could you know, tick off a lot of boxes. Because let's be honest, that's really what you're looking to do. It has nothing to do with being, you know, it's not racist. It's not classist. It's it's none of that. It's looking at who can I bring along that will help get my message out and that will help, um, you know, me bring in other, other portions, other demographics of the electorate. Because that's what he has to do. The burden right now is on the Democrats. If Trump finishes the way he did in 2016, he's president again. The Democrats are the ones who have to actually go out and win. They have to flip states. They can't just go out there and make the appeals the same way they did in 2016. Maybe they'll win the popular vote. They sure as heck won't win the electoral vote. And that's what you need. You need the electoral vote. So that's what we're looking at right now. <clears throat> I do apologize, by the way. I realize as I've been talking, and again, this is just, uh, you know, it's aggravating to me too. My voice has gone a little bit here. But I'm. It's believe me, this is nothing like it was a week ago. Um, it's still all right. I'm still getting through things. So I will... Um, I will cut it a little bit short, but I will put another episode out in a couple of days talking about some more issues. There's a lot I wanted to talk about, um, you know, and I wanted to talk about what's going on, um, you know, within the Democratic Party. I wanted to also talk about a lot of stuff going on um, in the world. I wanted to talk about a couple of things. I mean, Harvey Weinstein, another major issue that's gone on. Um, I wanted to talk about where the Me Too movement is going. Um, so much out there. But like I said, I'm trying. I am getting better. Um, yeah, I thank you all for your support. And, you know, if you really want to help out, definitely 
forward things out there. Again, um, I have Instagram, which I post every single day after school history, at Antonius Optimus. Um, I do have um, my podcast, which you're listening to. Um, Please do send it for more people. Get more people to listen to it. And if you have comments that you want for me, please don't hesitate. Contact me. Let me know um, whatever you want to hear about. I'm more than happy to talk about it. So anyway, in the meantime, uh, like I said, go to my Instagram, like everything. Go to my TikTok, The Mad Historian. I'll be putting more of those up now that I'm in better health. And in whatever you do, um, do keep following up on what's going on. Um, I would like to make predictions about things like the coronavirus, but I really don't know right now. I don't know what's going to happen. And I think the best thing to do would be to just take a wait and see approach. I hope that all of you, no matter where you are, especially those of you listening to me in areas, states, countries that are more hard hit than others, um, please stay safe, wash your hands, get that Clorox, get those wipes out, wipe everything down. Clorox, you can send me, you know, something for propping you up. Um, And in any case, above all, be safe. I will talk to you all soon. Bye-bye.